millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ho, 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 and welcome to the Ghibli Attack, the podcast that dashes through the snow of the world's greatest animation studio, Studio Ghibli. I'm Michael Leader. I'm Steph Watts. I'm Jake Cunningham. And I'm Harold McShiel. So join us on our quest, so join us on our festive quest into the glorious world of Ghibli. Merry Christmas, everyone. Welcome to the festive Ghibli Attack a podcast, also Festive Gibbotech, Library Cafe. What does that mean, Jake? Um, well, it's, you know, it's Christmas time. There's no need to be afraid. Uh, you're just getting a subscription <laughs> podcast in your regular feed. So as a, as a little gift to all the Gibliotech fans out there, um, our Library Cafe, which would normally be our subscription-only service uh, on Apple Podcasts, we have um, we've decided to give to everyone far and wide. It's truly a Christmas miracle. And uh, this is just going to be our kind of retrospective look back at the year. But there's some there's some treats to come, isn't there, Michael? Oh, as always in these Christmas specials. But first, one thing we do with our library cafe episodes is we have this increasingly creaky metaphor that the episodes are recorded in the cafe outside the Ghibliotech library while we're taking a break from our revision because the, those chats are often taking a break from talking about Ghibli, talking about all the other things we enjoy doing. And what we do is we sit down at the cafe and we're asking what drink, what snacks are we getting from the Ghibli Tech Library Cafe bar? I think, Harold, as you're very rarely on these podcasts, I'll come to you first. We're sitting down at the library cafe. It's Christmas time. They've changed their menu to be festive. What are you eating or drinking? I will have a delicious warming mug of uh, eggnog, please. What actually is eggnog? I was, it's, an Amer- it's like a more American thing, right? I think so. I was hoping you weren't going to ask that. I like the concept of it more than the reality. <laughs> I, I just I happened on the, the, one of the Simpsons Christmas specials recently, which is where Homer just buys a fridge full of eggnog because, and I I just don't know what it is. <laughs> it's like boozy milk, I guess. Yeah, I yeah. For someone who doesn't drink, it's a strange choice, but um, I. I, I, I could, feel convinced have a virgin that it would egg be nog, really nice. which is just an egg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hold the nog. It's traditionally made with milk, cream, sugar, whipped egg whites, and egg yolks, which gives it a frothy texture and its names. Uh, distilled spirits such as brandy, rum, whiskey, or bourbon are added as a key ingredient. So actually, you, a virgin eggnog is a normal eggnog, really. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I think that sounds intense, but, but potentially delicious. <laughs> Mm. Well, that's that's you sorted, Harold. Steph, 
What are you bringing to the cafe today? Uh, well, as it's 11am and it's Christmas, I'll have a strong gin and tonic. Uh, <laughs> and probably a little mince pie. That's <laughs> that's my mood for Christmas Day. Jake? I'll, I'll join Harold on the dairy train. Uh, it's the one time of year where I will partake in a Bailey's. Uh, I'm a whiskey drinker anyway, so um, I, I, I've always got that. that... Why? <laughs> How are you looking at me? <laughs> Confused. I mean... It... Uh, yeah, I guess it is dairy. <laughs> I, was just, <laughs> well, I was just surprised by it's, Bailey's being the result. It's of cream. The, being on the dairy train. Yeah, no, yeah. Irish cream. Yeah. Delicious. And so I, I, drink, I drink whiskey all year round, and I'm not afraid to say it. Um, <laughs> but then a little Bailey's at Christmas uh, over some ice is, is very, very nice. But then food-wise, um, the time that we are recording, I was initially meant to be on a flight to Berlin, uh, which sadly I could not be on. Um and something I love being in, being in Berlin, going to the market there and getting a curry versed. Yeah, it's just the, the sausage with the curry sauce in the little little bun. That is the treat that I would like on the side of my Bailey's, which I'm sure is a combination no one's ever had and probably no one ever should. <laughs> yeah, I I enjoy a Bailey's because I'm not I'm not a drinker, but I do like my milkshakes and sweet drinks. And Bailey's is probably the closest to something like that for me. But I suppose eating, we've got this very strange mixture of meals and drinks from around the day. We're recording this in the morning. (laughs) Listeners, you may be listening at very different times of the day, so take your pick. What I basically live on at this time of year is something that could be eaten all all year round, but takes on a different taste uh, quality during the winter months. It is mint choc chip ice cream oh yes and i'm working my way through the brands i'm currently very very in love with minter wonderland so good so good so good a great a great ratio of choc chip to ice cream and i love that it's not green you know because it's Mm -hmm. it would why would it be that's just artificial it's just pure flavor oh but the the brand are green what are you talking about (laughs) if they're just using extract like they're not. Yeah, it's like not crushing a mint leaf. Yeah, yeah. No, not yeah. But the brand I've not tried yet is the the Jake Cunningham brand because you you make ice cream, don't you, Jake? Have you made a mint mint choc chip? Uh, I'm not brave enough. And the thing is, like you you kind of never want to meet your heroes, and that's um, <laughs> mint choc is is my ice cream hero. And if I tried to do it myself, I think I'd only disappoint myself <laughs> and the the item as well. <laughs> Right, I'll, I'll I'll stick with the yeah the familiar brands for now and branch out maybe if you ever develop that bravery. But that's we've got ice cream, we've got curry first, we've got the boozy options, the virgin options, <laughs> we've got the whole Christmas menu covered here with the Library Cafe today. So the treats we have in store today, we're going to go back through our year, look back on all the things we've done. We're going to have some jukebox floor fillers, Ghibli style from Harold, as we've had in previous Christmas uh, specials. We also have um, a mailbag from listeners. You've been sending in your suggestions for the casting of a Ghibli nativity play. And we'll be looking ahead to what we have coming up in the new year. But first, before we say hello to 2022, we should wave goodbye to 2021. What have we been up to this year? We've done barely anything, Jake, have we? (laughs) Oh, Michael. You know we've done things. Um, yeah, what a start to the year. 
we began with the release of Earwig and the Witch, which, you know, I'm going to say it, I think is the best Studio Ghibli film of the year. <laughs> it's the best Studio Ghibli film that's been released in the podcast's lifetime, for sure. Yeah, in, in many years, you know. <laughs> uh, but what a milestone for us, right? We had a brand new Studio Ghibli release to discuss um, and, you know, worth discussing. That episode was a lot of fun to put together. Oh, yeah. And well, and to have Garo Miyazaki and Toshio Suzuki on the podcast. What? What a dream. Amazing. Um, considering, yeah, three years ago, just thinking that Ghibli was dead. We were just going to do the podcast of 24 episodes or so. That would be it. We put it in the ground. Never think of it again. And now we're looking at a new film, talking to the people behind it. What a journey. And we also branched out even further to cover other studios with the Cartoon Salooniverse miniseries. We've said before many times how much we loved their films. We interviewed Ross Stewart and Tom Moore way back when on the podcast. So being able to cover their films in depth all the way up to the final general release of Wolf Walkers, that was so wonderful as well. Those are, that, Similar to Satoshi Kon, they're a studio where every film is worth seeing. So what a treat to do that. Well, and then after that and spending all the time with those films, what an honour to then be invited by Studio Canal to write the companion booklet for the box set release of the Irish Folklore Trilogy. And, oh man, like that's going to be the only time that Wolfwalkers gets a physical release is in that box set. So to have our words live alongside that is, uh, well, very, very special indeed. Absolutely. And of course, writing was a big part of our year, Jake, in terms of writing the Ghibliotech book that kept us busy behind the scenes. Uh, But while the hype train was gathering steam in the run up to the release of the Ghibliotech book, we had our longest running series yet with our Chat Returns interview series. So many amazing guests, so many highlights to shout out. Steph, who was your favourite out of those? Anyone that comes to mind? Ooh, <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> Ooh, I would have to say probably Mike Reander, director of Mitchell's Versus the Machines. That was such a fun chat for such a, a fun film that came out kind of during this quite bizarre year. Um, also Arlo Parks, kind of Mercury Prize winning artist. Uh, she was amazing to talk to, all about kind of her watching Ghibli while she's recording her album uh, and her her fave Tales from Earthsea, which I know Jake was very pleased about. Yes, well in Arlo. And I think having her on the show was great because it kind of, it branched us out a bit as to like the artists that we expect to be directly influenced by Ghibli and so I think that's something that I want to be carrying on with when we look at interviews down the line it's like who, it's who can we bring in who may not be an obvious like a filmmaker or animator um, but is in another field but is still like looking at these films for inspiration uh, so yeah I dare say there'll be more interviews to come in 2022 and oh god yeah like after talking to her and Enrico Casarosso directed Luca which is absolutely one of my favourites of the year it's mm. just been such a ride. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, Jake. It was great for me to speak, to to hear from Eric Henderson, a comic book artist. Also, Siobhan Reddy from Media Molecule, giving us a video game kind of angle on Ghibli. So the, the, their influence goes so far and wide through all the creative arts. So, yeah, 
expect more maybe in that vein in 2022 will we do 12 in a row again who can say (laughs) (laughs) we need some more hours in the day maybe but then of course the ghibli tech book did come out um in september and we celebrated that by going out into the world jake on the ghibli tech tour where we went from london up to Glasgow, Dundee, Dumfries in Scotland, uh, stopping by Portobello just outside of Edinburgh as well on the way, Nottingham, Hastings, your homecoming show. (laughs) Just amazing to get out there to show Ghibli films on the big screen, particularly the documentary The Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, which ironically we don't talk about in the book at all uh that is not a ghibli film but it's a film about ghibli and is very much in keeping with the themes that we've discussed on this show over the years and it's just a great documentary um so to dust that off rescue it from down the back of the sofa that's wherever it's been hiding at studio canal hq and show that four or five times we've done this year to, to audiences that hadn't had a chance to see it until now been really a treat and then just to meet people who are interested in Ghibli, to vibe with them, argue with them, debate with them <laughs> about the, the films. It's, it's been so fun. What, what a treat to bounce around the country doing that stuff. But speaking of things that are very, very special, regular listeners to the show and to the Christmas episode will know that we fly in, although he's expensive and he's got a pretty astonishing rider, he will occasionally appear on the podcast with some Ghibli versions of Christmas songs. Normally he's off in his studio up in the woods recording these with a mysterious super producer who even we don't know. And then he comes back with these songs that, you know, they're just sublime, really. And we don't, we never learn about how he actually does it. But this year, things all change because Harold McShiel is going to be doing his Ghibli songs live on the podcast thank you jake thank you for that uh that 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 you know humble introduction it's a real pleasure to be here um just to just to clarify the rider is 13 bottles of eggnog (laughs) um but yeah we're gonna uh we're gonna start today's um proceedings with um a, a a rendition of merry christmas Everyone. <laughs> this, this takes on a different flavour when when, I can, when the three of you are there. <laughs> oh God! Okay. <coughs> ah. Should we look away? <laughs> Let's look away. Um, no, no, no. It's good. To, it's good to me. leave under the um, under under the glare. Um, I'll, I'll I'll have a run at it, and then uh, I haven't actually um, sung through these, so I'll, I'll probably trip over some things. But it's all part of the fun. Uh, rain is falling all around me. Children waiting for the bus. It's the feeling of raindrops on umbrellas. It's my neighbour Todoro. Time for growing a magic forest. Sisters dancing all night long. Time for soot sprites and exchanging corn cobs. 
Time for playing ocarina songs. It's the feeling of raindrops on umbrellas. It's my neighbor, Todoro. Oh. Done in one, you know? Amazing. Boom. It's like the Libertines, you know? You just, you just record what's in the room and that's it. That's the album. Absolutely. Just perfect what a what a beautiful rendition Harold amazing amazing stuff and what a privilege to be here to experience it live (laughs) you lucky people (laughs) well we were about to move on to our best stuff of the year but what's the point now presumably it's just going to be that just this (laughs) (laughs) and there's, there's more of that to come as well a few more songs from Harold so make sure you stick around (laughs) <laughs> wow, wow, wow. All right, Harold. So we'll, we'll go to you first then. So for our best stuff of the year, we're going to quickly rattle through films, books, games and music. I'll take, I'll ask you for your film first. Sure thing. So it would have to be Dune, um, partly circumstantial, saw it in the IMAX uh, and it was on my birthday and didn't know I, what film I was seeing until literally the opening of uh, um, oh, the opening scene of the film started playing out, and uh, it, it was a real treat. Very much enjoyed it. And you, you, you learned that you were seeing Dune Part One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd like another thirty-five to forty hours of this, please. <laughs> okay, all right. And your book? Oh, book of the year has to be Bob Mortimer's. Uh, autobiography and away which um yeah i mean he's uh, he's like a second father figure to me uh, a hero and the book is um just a poignant and um surprisingly sad but also um but also joyful uh, account of his uh sort of simple yet wonderful life and and the book was tied to a little mystery as well. <laughs> oh, good. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, I uh, I received the book around the time of my birthday uh, and without any note. And was like, ah, oh, ooh, this is a lovely present. And uh, it's signed by Bob as well. So a, a sort of early version. I was like, oh, this, who's got me this? There's no note. So uh, I, I, I messaged a few people, including Jake, because I'm often banging on at him about about Bob Mortimer and um got got some kind of like oh it's a nice nice present but I don't know um uh, no it's nothing to do with me and um after a bit of sort of pondering I was oh oh yeah no 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 it was me I uh, I pre-ordered it ages ago completely <laughs> forgot about it and then uh, uh and then yeah and then got convinced that um some mysterious benefactor so my mysterious benefactor is me <laughs> That is the ultimate what you get for the man who has everything. Just nothing, because he'll get it, get him for himself. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I find Bob Mortimer's character development from sort of 90s comedian into full-blown British national treasure in the last few years uh, really astonishing. Mm. I would not have thought that that book would be quite high on my anticipation list to use my book tokens on mm. after yeah. Christmas. And if anyone hasn't seen it, get the Christmas special of Gone Fishing on. Because uh, that that is just absolutely lovely. Absolutely. And if anyone hasn't even seen Gone Fishing, watch it all. There's like four series and a Christmas special to watch now. Just just the the loveliest program out there. 
Big time. All right, Harold. So that's that's film and book. What about game? Um, purely for the number of hours I've sunk into it, but which is reflective of my enjoyment of it. But Assassin's Creed Valhalla has been a lovely place to spend a lot of time doing awful things to people with <laughs> swords and axes and and the like. Which what's the theme of Valhalla? Because they, they they rotate, right? So it's it's Vikings. Um, and and the sort of Viking law. It's based in England. Uh, most of your most of your time is spent in England, which is uh, which is quite nice, including a little um, uh, so, a sort of spin-off quest uh, up the River X, um, which is a nice touch for for me as I grew up in Exeter. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's Vikings in England um, and killing lots of uh, Saxons. As as the Assassin's Creed franchise goes on, it was originally a stealth assassin murder game where you'd be clambering around rooftops for four or five stories high and humongous um, yeah, monuments and cathedrals and everything. And now you can't imagine stealthy Vikings. Is it still stealthy? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's definitely not as stealthy stealthy as the um, as previous iterations have been. Um, there is the option. I mean, I guess it's sort of. Uh, that was its point of difference when it was um, getting going, but now it doesn't rely on it as much. You can play it in a. It's, it's quite nice to have that a bit more freedom, I suppose, to do it to approach Absolutely. it. You can either go in double wielding two handed battle axes and and chopping everyone to pieces, or you can still use your hidden blade to leap off a uh, off a re- off a local church to murder a vicar. Can you can you jump from a height into a bale of hay still? Oh, absolutely! And Great, that's, that's and I'm sold from from literally <laughs> any <riots>. height. <laughs> All right then. So, last thing, music. What's it going to be? <laughs> yeah. So, thinking about this one, um, it's a slightly a slight curveball, I guess, but um, I'd say classic FM. It's um, it's been a uh, a firm friend through both the day and night over the majority of the year. Uh, it, it it initially came into focus around the birth of um, my daughter Martha last year. Um, I think s- simply because someone once said that from kind of brain development, having classical music in the background is, can be a good thing. Um, but we got quite got to quite like it and so have just had it on and all, all the time it, it has that slightly frustrating thing of constant rotation so you hear the same classical bangers uh multiple times through the day and night but um yeah i've had a lot of fun with it and then you get the um what's the there's a saturday night film show where you get all the film scores which we always uh, look forward to mm. well, knowing your preference for Jurassic Park as a cultural landmark oh, yeah. you get a lot of Jurassic Park on Classic FM absolutely and Jonathan Creek <laughs> the two very you know two really important things in my life <laughs> I set my um, my radio alarm to Classic FM for a bit thinking it would be a nice calming way to wake up and then yeah normally at like 7am I just hear and here is the theme from Jurassic Park, <laughs> just wake up to like the 
<laughs> which is like not what I was really expecting, but um, it's a fun station. <laughs> Harold, thank you for your very personal, eccentric, unique <laughs> picks of the year there. Steph, what was your favourite film of the year? Favourite film, probably because I didn't really watch much new stuff this year and just because it's the most recent but amazing thing that I think I've watched was um, Drive My Car, mm. the Hamaguchi three-hour epic. Um, saw it at the tiny ICA screen two on a Sunday um, and it was it was packed out. It was really... Sorry. <clears throat> It was packed out. It was really hard to actually find a screening that wasn't sold out, I think, because everybody is realising like how good this film is. Um, and yeah, just kind of maybe like half an hour in, uh, there's a shot of these kind of turning wheels of the car that fades perfectly into the turning wheels of a cassette tape. And I was just like, yes, this is it. This is the best thing I've seen all year, like instantly. Um, yeah, just just really fantastic. And Sometimes I feel like you think, am I enjoying this film? Because everyone's told me it's an amazing film. Um, but then, yeah, kind of halfway through, I was like, no, this is actually really, really good. Um, and I kind of can't wait to go and see it again. I think I'll probably. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Try and find another screening next year if it's still being shown. But, um, yeah, great movie. Would recommend. Oh, would second that recommendation wholeheartedly. Um, do you have a book of the year? This is where I stop recommending things that came out this year because... All my other stuff is just first time experiences of old things. But I read um, Annie Prue's The Shipping News. Um, she wrote the story that Brokeback Mountain is based on. Um, and I think quite a lot of her stuff is about kind of like America and and kind of small, small town, like new American places. Um, but The Shipping News is like a 90s book about a guy who moves to 
Newfoundland, like a teeny tiny town in Canada, um, and starts working for a local newspaper. And he his job is to report the ships that come into the harbour and go out again, and also do like really morbid stuff like report on car crashes because there's loads of them because I think it's so like icy and everyone like drink drives and stuff. Um, it's a it's a really strange book. It's like really funny. I could imagine like Wes Anderson making it into a film. It's got that kind of vibe, but um, yeah, it really like stuck with me. And it was such a mm-hmm. random buy because I was looking for the Breakback Mountain mm-hmm. short stories, but I picked up that instead. Um, but yeah, just really, really great book that a surprising find. Yeah. It's yeah. a bit different from maybe the last time we spoke about books. You were very deep in Clive Barker, I think, at that point. Yeah, <laughs> so a bit of a gear change from that. <laughs> <laughs> What's your game of the year? If it, it, what classic are you going to pull out of the archives old, for us in games? Old classic was um, Alan Wake, which I played when I was isolating COVID. And just, oh, it's just so good. And I've like got to the point now where I'm like, I, I just want to play Alan Wake again. Like... I go to play a game and I'm like, mm, it's not Alan Wake, is it? Like, I'm not trawling through the woods with the narration saying it was like something out of a Stephen King novel or like, <laughs> like shooting guys and and just going through these kind of obviously slightly dodgy because I didn't play the remastered version. I played the old one. Um, so some slightly dodgy kind of angular faces and and cars and movements. Um, it doesn't really matter when the story is so fun and yeah i guess that satisfied my kind of need for yeah clive barker-esque horror um such a fun such a fun game good fun and i I would probably be playing the remastered version if i can get my hands on it if we ever do more video game stuff we should make jake play that game because it's very also very twin peaksy as well isn't it like very consciously so oh yeah there's literally a cafe that I think they've recreated the diner from Twin Peaks in there. Um, yeah, so this sounds right up my street. It, it's oh, also yeah. just hilarious. Uh, it, it's by the, the studio based in Finland, and uh, their lead writer is called Sami Yavi, and Yavi is uh, means lake in Finnish, so he he goes by the pen name Sam Lake. Sam Lake writes a game called Alan Wake <laughs> about a writer. <laughs> it's it's all very sort of self-referential in a sort of um, tongue-in-cheek way, but also takes those elements of the horror and the mystery quite seriously too. Um, what's your music of the year, Steph? Um, I'm kind of similar to Harold. Like I've picked a radio show. Um, it's the Do You Breakfast Show with uh, DJ Charlie Bones. Um, it was on like NTS which is like a kind of big internet radio system where you can listen to five million programs um but he moved it to just be like an independent thing um it's basically three hours in the morning of just like amazing tunes uh I think he runs it just like out of his living room um and I think what's really fun about the show is like you never hear the same song twice in a week and it has like a call-in feature where if you call in to request a song, you then have to sing the song for it to like get played. <laughs> so kind of at like 11 a.m. on a Wednesday, I'll just hear, you know, a stranger on the show just singing like a really lovely song. Uh, <laughs> it's just so fun. And I think it's, yeah, it's a really, um, it's been really nice to listen to like over the past year or so. We've just been like sitting at home and 
and only talking to people through zoom and stuff um mm. the kind of conversation aspect is is really great and yeah just like generally really great jams to listen to for the morning so yeah that's my recommendation that's lovely but that's my stuff i want to ask you now michael favorite book of the year oh book of the year so i didn't read many books this year i think that was the thing that fell by the wayside um but one book i would and, and so my to read list is massive and because my birthday is quite close to Christmas, I end up with a lot of book tokens for buying new stuff. But one book I did buy almost immediately as it came out and read was uh, the new book by Douglas Walk, who's a cultural critic. He's written about comics and music over the years. But his new book is called All the Marvels. And it is a book written after a project he went through to read every single issue that Marvel Comics published pretty much from 1962 to the present day. And what yeah how how do you process that information if you take marvel publishing as one you know the greatest continuous narrative that will never end in the english language or maybe in publishing in general in the history of storytelling so he breaks down by chapter following individual characters so there is a chapter on spider-man on x-men on thor and just looking at the recurring themes the peaks and troughs, the ruts that some of these stories get into when you're telling a story for 50, 60 years with different writers, illustrators, editors, different publishing regimes handling those characters. And if you're like me, maybe getting a little bit tired of comic book movies, the Marvel Cinematic Universe this year put out more than ever with three feature-length films and multiple TV series as well. And none of them really did it for me. And I'm not particularly excited by any of them. They all had flaws. Reading about the crazy inspiration that goes into the comics, but also the way to um, process all of that is has been really inspiring the way that of looking at characters so there's the corporate characters that we see on screen but then the corporate characters in the comics where the crazy creatives do have some sway and can make some difference it's a really fascinating book if you're interested in comics history or getting further into comics or maybe you read some comics off the back of films but you've never gone back into the wild times of the 60s 70s and 80s that's a good book for that based around such an intriguing premise that's all the marvels by douglas Walk. How big is that book? Because it's only like four hundred pages. Four hundred pages in hardback. It's not massive. So it, it, the the chapters would be like a thirty-page chapter on Spider-Man, where the key ingredient is Peter Parker can never be happy because that's the key thing in, about Spider-Man is that he needs to feel anxious about his status. He needs to feel fear for his loved ones. He needs to be hidden in the shadows behind his secret identity. And the ultimate. Um, uh, the ultimate failure he can't be the one coming out on top because then the story completely breaks around it so things like that that what is the big theme behind some of these characters when you've read all the comics all right so best film film i did love drive my car but a film that i've now watched twice i've not watched drive my car again since um, the London Film Festival, but a film that I've watched twice so I can confirm it's definitely a film I'd recommend, one of my favourites of the year, is Bell, Mamoru Hosoda's latest film, premiered in Cannes, has had a, a, a great year since, a lot of hype behind it. It's certainly the biggest anime film of the year. 
uh, one of the biggest animation for the year. It's going to be in Oscar contention, I'm sure. Anyone who's seen a Mamoru Hosoda film before, like The Girl Who Leapt Through Time or Summer Wars or Boy and the Beast, Wolf, Wolf Children, lots of familiar threads in this one. It's about a teenage girl who has her various anxieties and hang-ups in the real world, but then goes on to this expansive, virtual, global, social media world of you, which has a biometric, high-concept app that scans your being, your very soul, and creates a new version of you in in the in in this online world and she goes from being a shy teenage girl to being like the pop diva of of that world and it's got so much to it it's his retelling of beauty and the beast as well because she is the beauty of you and there's a mystery about this beast-like character who's the scapegoat and pariah of that world it's a lot anyone who knows her sort of films knows that uh, that he likes to pack in ideas and stories and concepts but it for me it really comes together at the end. It's the film that's most moved me this year uh, on both viewings. Um, it's really amazing. It's coming out both in the US and in the UK in the early months of 2022. And we may be talking more about that very soon. Uh, Favourite game of the year? Game. So I have played more games this year. If I went on the Harold route and what game I've sunk the most time into, it would be the Forza franchise, which I think I've talked about on some of the Library Cafe episodes <laughs> in the past. My son is very, very into cars and the Forza racing games have like all of the actual real car models. And then because of that, uh, my partner and I have now almost with Stockholm Syndrome actually got really into the Forza games and Forza 5 came out this year a great open world exploration game as well as a racing game but I would say my game of the year is a game called Sable which is an independent game made by a very small studio um, their first game in fact and it is uh, an open world exploration game not too dissimilar from something like Zelda Breath of the Wild where you're just sort of dropped into this big open world told to go and explore it there's some light puzzling there's no conflict you have a hover bike the story is about a young character who's going out into the world to find what profession they want to um, they, they want to take up and it's got incredible Ghibli vibes take a look at any of it in motion any of the stills the worlds look like it could have been taken from something like Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. But also I think it captures something at the heart of so many other Ghibli films, which is about coming of age and the big existential questions of going out into the world like Kiki's Delivery Service or finding your craft like Whisper of the Heart. And it feels just like a wonderful, very different open world game. We're used to open world games being like Assassin's Creed or Grand Theft Auto or Breath of the Wild um, felt revolutionary at the time, and this feels like a good development on from that. Sable, really strong recommendation from me. And an amazing soundtrack as well from Japanese Breakfast. Yeah, I really like the open-endedness of that game, where it's kind of like, just come back when you're ready. Yeah. That's the, that's the kind of big story. Quest. And no real sort of over-narrated or overwritten 
world building. So you'll it's sort of a deserty kind of planet at times, but then you'll the, you'll have these huge mountains and monuments to previous civilizations that you don't really know much about. It very much is reminiscent of there's a bit in is it the end of Fellowship of the Ring or the beginning of Two Towers where they're rowing down the river and you see the gate that opens and it's the two massive elf guys and it's like when, I'm sure in the book there's a whole story about what that means, but in the film it's just so <laughs> evocative. And Sable has that as well where you're you pick a horizon and you go in that direction and you'll find the remains of humongous spaceships from the from many generations past and it's yeah really evocative i agree great game uh and lastly favorite music of the year it's a bit less of a, of a personal and resonant pick than yours and harold's but i just want to shout out the album the art of losing by the anchorus um which um i bought much earlier in the year and it's this great chamber pop kind of goth kind of prog eclectic album uh, by the you know, multi-talented multi-instrumentalist and producer um, who goes by the by the pen name the anchoress it's really really great and the reason why it's in my mind is that it's just been announced as um the best prog album of the year by prog magazine which is one of those weird situations where I never would have called this prog, <laughs> but they're clearly calling it that, and I think she's um, she's 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 taken it. It's definitely got Kate Bush vibes, if that's your sort of deal, or Tori Amos, who's a big big part of my music taste. I'd recommend picking that up. Well, having witnessed Harold do Wuthering Heights on karaoke uh, the night before this very record, I'm sure he'll be jumping at the chance to listen to that one. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, maybe then, Jake, now's a good time for me to pick up with you and uh, ask you about um, your... Let's start with um, favourite game of the year. Ooh, um, I'm going to cop out and do a game series and uh, any subscribers will probably be unsurprised to hear that that is the Uncharted series. Uh, I kind of did it in a funny order where I started with Uncharted 4 and then work my way back through one, two, and three. Uh, this is when I was briefly loaned a PS4, and I've now handed it back and cry every night. Um, but I, I just had such a fun time with them. Less fun when you're just having to <laughs> fire bullets at the same guys endlessly, but when it's all puzzles and quests and basically Indiana Jones the game, I'm just having such a good time with it. I'm all about that exploration and that puzzle life. Uh, I, I do have a Nintendo Switch. Sable hasn't come to the Switch yet, so when it does, by the sounds of what you guys are talking about, I will really enjoy it. Um, and it will scratch some of those itches from handing back the uh, Uncharted. But, gosh, yeah, I had such a good time with those games. Wonderful. Yeah, Uncharted is one that, um, as a staunch Xbox user, I am incredibly jealous of um, of, of UPS owners or or or, or low knees um but yeah it still hasn't pushed me over no, I, th I think it was the only game since breath of the wild where when i had a clear saturday or sunday or something i thought i'm gonna do like four hours right now and i'm gonna have such a good time uh and i haven't had any other game this year that i've had that same kind of excitement to just plunder into for such an extended period of time very nice um how about music oh music i'm 
not that cool and don't listen to as much new music as I used to. So I, there's not like a new album this year that I can really kind of say was hugely impactful. The album that I've loved the most this year is All Things Must Pass, the George Harrison album. Uh, I hadn't listened to loads of Beatles solo stuff before, um, but I got into the listen to this album at the start of the year. Uh, every time when we were taking the book on tour and we went into a record shop, I'd always check to see whether they had a copy of it. And if they did, it was generally never less than 80 quid. <laughs> Uh, but one day I will treat myself to it. I, I just, I, I love it. I think it's it's an incredibly moving album. It, it's so eclectic in its style. Um, like there's some stuff that's kind of wah-wah-y, heavy metal-y stuff. Uh, like that, 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 wah was the name of a song. But like that's a kind of a loud, brash, like almost headbanger type track. But then just some really gentle, very sad kind of what you imagine George Harrison to be you always imagine him as the that kind of the emotionally available Beatle and it is that and it's so nice to hear him kind of push your the expectations of what you expect George Harrison to be uh and yeah considering all the other stuff that I've listened to from all the other Beatles I think this is the best Beatles solo album and it's been something that I keep going back to this year great that's a big claim um George Harrison Famously, at least in my household, is my mum's favourite Beatle. Um, He's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then what about what about books, Jake? Book of the year would be Crying in H Mart, which is a, a book from this year, Michelle Zorna, um, who goes under the moniker Japanese Breakfast as a musician who coincidentally composed the music for Sable. Uh, and this is her memoir, uh, which uh, covers... a lot mostly the period of her mum's uh, diagnosis with terminal cancer and the experience of watching her go through that, uh, but how that ties to their relationships specifically through Korean food. Uh, and so this is just a shared passion point between her and her mum. And so the book uh, obviously takes you through that very emotional process of watching your watching a parent die, but just all tied to the experience of well this thing is this like trauma trauma is happening but then you're balancing that with the memories of certain dishes and watching that parent make that dish with you or teach you about it or go to a restaurant where you first discover x y or z with that person yeah and so uh listeners will know how much i'm obsessed with the food in the ghibli films and so it probably comes as no surprise how much i enjoyed this book ah it sounds entirely lovely um, yeah. And I mean, we've kind of covered film in as much as, you know, I know it's Earwig and the Witch, but if there are any others that have um, uh, that have crept into view for you this year, what would you say was the best of them? Um, so I think we, we've, we've all kind of said Drive My Car is really good, and I won't bore anyone by saying that. Um, maybe my favourite cinema experience was going to see uh, Raisuke Hamaguchi's uh, earlier film Happy Hour which is an absolute beast at 5 hours and 17 minutes uh, and I saw it at the close up centre with a, a motley crew who uh, really went through the ringer on that one with me and uh, what, a, what a journey it was um, but probably from this year would be Petite Maman, the Celine Siama film, 72 minutes of bliss, 
uh, and absolutely uh, kind of a, a perfect double bill with my neighbor Totoro. Just the the magic of watching children be kind of free and innocent and kind and gentle uh, combined with just the, the tiniest little fantasy element that is just utter magic uh, and some really really good music too uh, just a, a perfect film and I think a great one for Christmas as well so if you've got people around the telly no one knows quite what to watch um i don't actually think it's available yet so maybe <laughs> um but if if you can get people to petite maman i think it'll go down well and it won't take up too much of their time either uh, but speaking of lovely music now that we've gone through all of our highlights of the year uh, we must get on to another harold mcshiel classic from the upcoming ep <laughs> <laughs> indeed uh, Harold what, what what is this one what have you got for us what have you retooled well I mean I'm going to be on the phone to um, Prog Magazine about this one but it's um, it's it's only you um, Jake you can remind me who the, the Flying Pickets is it uh, so the Flying Pickets was the acapella Christmas number one in the oh UK. yeah but it wasn't perfect, the original perfect. it was originally by Yazoo <laughs> nice thank you thank you um, but yeah so this uh, is a Ghiblified version of Only You. Similar to the the previous weather, let's see if I can nail this on a on the first take. But uh, there are some syllables here that I will be amazed if you. There's a lot to squeeze in in this one. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, let's uh, let's have a go. Hey, hey. Looking from the window of a bus, it's like a story of love. Taiko, can you hear me? Recalling only yesterday, I'm moving further away. Want you near me? Remembering the bad pineapple. Remembering flying on a crush. And all I ever knew. Only you. Do, 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 do. Incredible scenes. How does he do it? That was <laughs> heavenly, a heavenly rendition, which feeds in very well into our own heavenly rendition of the Nativity play, as picked and cast by you listeners. <laughs> so we need to flesh out this cast here. Where do we start? We've got some suggestions from Twitter, some emails as well. Let's start. Daniel Martin comes straight in here with Naushka as Jesus. So that's it. I mean, that that film does present her as Jesus. She even has like the, the Christ-like resurrection at the end. So but, total fit. But maybe not a baby Jesus. I feel this is for a wraparound narrative. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> wraparound narrative where that baby grows up to be Nashka. He also wants the Mameauto boys um, as the three wise men. I'm not sure how wise they are. They're not particularly wise. They do bring gold, though. Very fair point. Speaking of the gold, Sam Clements, friend of the show, has a suggestion for what we could swap in for the props here. So the three wise men bring in gold, frankincense and myrrh. We can swap them in for treasured Ghibli food items, which is the corn on the cob from... 
My Neighbor Totoro, the pineapple, uh, as as recently sung about by Harold from uh, Only Yesterday, <laughs> and then the fish pie from Kiki's Delivery Service. I know gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They're not particularly. I mean, maybe gold is still as as cherished as the other two today. You've got the corn there, which um, May is howling, bawling, crying, holding. You've got the pineapple, which may look beautiful, but it doesn't taste very nice. <laughs> and then the fish pie. Not sure how desirable those three are. I don't understand the hate for the fish pie. I would eat it. I don't. I love I don't a fish, get pie. It. I like fish pie. Yeah, it's got a little pastry fish on the top. Yeah, yeah. I'm into People it. are sleeping on the fish pie. And finally, let's say the most important part in any nativity play is the little donkey. And Luke D at the Quiet Lad is has cast that for us. Of course, Yakul from Princess Mononoke as the little donkey. He says, if Yakul is not cast as a little donkey, there's a problem. No problem here. Happy with that casting. Yeah. There was another great tweet suggesting the uh, three wise men being the three tanuki when they turn into the the older gents in uh, Pompoko with all their kind of late 80s early 90s styling i must say though the three wise men are Hayao miyazaki isao takahata and toshio suzuki cameoing in this as as seen in the poster of the from the kingdom of dreams and madness i think that's that's Very the much perfect so. answer for me well, uh, so lots of great answers on Twitter, but we had one standout email from Jessica Jones who really went for it here and painted a real portrait of our dream Ghibli nativity scene. So she says, baby Jesus, Ponyo, obviously. Yes, great shout, inspired. Mary, Lisa, like she's just going to be so cute and proud of Ponyo and I can imagine her being all grateful with the three wise men's gifts. I can get behind it. We all like Lisa. She is perhaps the best Ghibli mum and you know who's who's a better mum than Mary hmm? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, for Mary's Joseph I mean Joseph who we're just going to have Sasuke instead because Joseph doesn't do much anyway <laughs> absolutely fair enough uh, the three wise men no face because he's the OG gold present boy he does have lots of gold Hal, he has lots of potions. Imagine he will be bringing some frankincense. Yes, yep. Yeah. And then Naushka, she's pretty wise, and myrrh apparently comes from trees, and she loves ecology, so it sort of fits. Yeah. G- yeah. Good thinking. Um, and bucks the trend of the Naushka Jesus imagery. You know, <laughs> she was a wise man the whole time. Um, all the angels are Kodamas, apart from Gabriel, who is the forest spirit. Uh, the shepherds, just Princess Mononoke and all her wolves tending to all the forest around. The wolves can come say hi to Ponyo because Ponyo would love them. Uh, she, she's even go, gone as far as casting the star. We're just going to put in Calcifer free and zooming around the sky with his chaotic energy. And then Santa, who I don't remember in the original nativity, uh, but for a cameo at the end because there are too many kids at Ghibli schools so they need more parts uh, so Porco Rosso as the Santa here bringing grumpy Santa energy like the 1991 Father Christmas animation from Raymond Briggs what an inspired answer thank you Jessica if we ever put this on Jessica needs to be our casting director I think absolutely 
<laughs> yeah, if anyone's listening and uh, is bored on Christmas Day and wants to get the Photoshop open and uh, assemble that nativity, we would love to see it. <laughs> okay. Well, now that we've finished our nativity, it's time for another carol, I think. So, Harold, for one last time, what are you going to sing for us? Um, well, this time it's um, maybe not the most obvious of uh, sources for um, for Christmas songs, but a Christmas song nonetheless. It's um, the Beach Boys with uh, <laughs> Little Saint Little Saint Nick, and of course, Giblified to Little Norse Prince. Should we do the like Little Norse Prince at the end? <laughs> yes, please. I think you can, Steph. Yeah. <laughs> Um, th- th- I think this one's going to be God knows I don't think I've ever heard this before um, God only oh, no. knows but I, but I had a <laughs> But I had a uh, I had a quick listen beforehand um, So I'll, I'll see what I can do Yeah Go on Michael Give him a beat Help him out I've <laughs> got to try and go high as well and do, Get the Get the uh, Get some of the um, Get some of the Beach Boys vibes well, way up north where the air gets cold There's a tale about a prince that you've all been told He's a real famous boy on adventures great Brought to life a Takahata back in 68 It's the Little Norse Prince Little Norse Prince It's the Little Norse Prince I think that's I think that's it. We've 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 peaked. Superb. Steph on backing vocals. On the BVs. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Oh Brian Wilson would be proud of those production values. (laughs) Absolutely. Well I think we have enough for an album now, so Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's one thing we'll have to do next year, among other things. So let's wrap up this Christmas special by looking ahead to 2022. What are we going to be doing in 2022? What can we announce? Jake? Oh, I don't know, Michael. Maybe we should announce a new series of the podcast. What? Um anyone keeping an eagle eye on our twitter would i'm sure have figured this out a long time ago uh but yes we are going to be looking at the films of mamoru hosoda starting wait for it in just a few days time that's right the 31st of december we will be leaping to the girl who leapt through time we are we know about the stuff before that and we will be talking about that but we're looking at him carving out his own path and from the girl who leapt through time onwards we'll be working our way through all of his films and then a few extra bonus bits and pieces as well right all the way through to bell that big new release that we just mentioned earlier coming up in the early months of next year oh it's so great to get to dive into another filmography and we hope you'll all come along with us for the journey but it wouldn't be an end of year Christmas special without us saying listeners thank you so much for joining us on the crazy journey that has been Ghibli Attack as we've gone from your earbuds onto the printed page and back again <laughs> thank you so much for listening please tune in for the Hossadathon as that begins on 31st of December until then you can keep up with us 
at Ghibliotech on Twitter, ghibliotech.pod on Instagram. Send us an email, ghibli at little.studios.com. You can also find us all individually. Jake on Twitter at Jake H. Cunningham. You've got Harold on Twitter at Harold A. Shield. And Harold, do you know Steph's? <laughs> it's a good to do Steph. Uh, you've got Steph on Twitter at underscore Steph Watts. And you've got Michael on Twitter at Michael J. Leader. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.